as I sat reading my uh, devotions this morning, I was drawn to the story of Jesus arriving in Jerusalem. And the thought came to me as a crowd uh, sang Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord, as I welcomed him. Uh, always makes me think how many of the crowd were there later on that week when they uh, were crying, crucify him, crucify him. Um, and I'm so glad that Jesus stuck to his purpose and his mission. Uh, we would not be sitting here this morning if, if he hadn't, but I'm so glad that he did. And it ties in a little bit really with what we're speaking on, uh, continuing on with our series, The Battlefield of the Mind. Uh, one of the reasons that, that Jesus came, we know, he came because he loved us, because we needed to be forgiven of our sin, and we are forgiven of our sin. But the thing that stands out over these last uh, 2,000 and a bit years is a number of lives that Jesus Christ has not just changed, but transformed. And I hold on to that word because that's a word that we're going to be looking at uh, today, that he is in the business of changing people's lives down. It's why we do what we do. It's why we believe what we believe, uh, that we don't just come to hold a religious service. Uh, we believe in the transforming power of God. And uh, we're tying it in, as I say, with this Battlefield of the Mind series, because Paul uh, writes to the church in Rome, in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, when he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I'll begin with this quote, the battleground between conforming to the world and being transformed by God is within the mind of the believer. Christians must think differently, which will cause them to act differently. As Paul writes his letter to the church in Rome, he understands there is a very real pressure on them to conform to the pattern of the present world system, and be squeezed into its mould on many different levels. We still live in that same world. Uh, we still live in that same world. This present world is under uh, Satan's rules, hostile to God and his people. It's built on human wisdom, uh, values, and an unbiblical worldview. The Christian opinion is not a popular opinion. Often the times when we do get to give it uh, in the public domain, uh, people will accuse us of being um, lots of uh, different things. Uh, a message is not relevant uh, to people today in 2021. Um, that, that That's okay for you, but for everybody else, we've got to give them the freedom to live the way that we want. And actually the Bible is outdated now. There's no such thing as a biblical worldview. And we've heard all of these reasons often. You see, the average person in the West carries around in their head uh, a set mindset of what we've grown up with. When you think about it, it says we, we are not a poor people. Uh, you know, this morning we all got up, we put clothes on, we had food before we arrived uh, for church. Most people drove here, uh, live in a house. Um, materialistically, we're, we're quite well off compared to most of the world. 
But there is an unhappiness and an emptiness in people that they look at and say, well, I haven't really got everything that I need, everything to make me happy. And you see, there are things, assumptions that are really ingrained into us in the, the West, in the culture that we live in, and it affects our mind. You see, people will talk about spirituality and say, Spirituality is preferable to organised religion because spirituality is sort of finding your own garden, you know, your own way, and all paths lead the same way, rather than organised religion which tells you, you know, this is who God is and what God has done for you. You know, people have ingrained with them the idea that love is, is actually just a feeling, not, not a discipline in a sense. It's not an act of commitment that if you can fall in love, you can fall out of love. It's a feeling that matters. People would look at it and they would have ingrained with them. Well, if it's mundane, it must be boring. Who wants to get up and go to work every day and do the same job every day and do the same thing over and over again? It's mundane. I would like to live an exciting life, people would say. This one, we would understand this. Uh, individual freedom trumps the collective. There is an increase at the moment in our human rights. What is more important than anything is what my rights are. I have a right and nobody's going to tell me what I can't do and nobody's going to tell me what I can do because I have my rights. And all of this is ingrained in people. It's ingrained in their mind. Things like we can do what we want as long as we don't hurt anybody. How often do we hear that? Um, people may say, well, God is okay, but he belongs in your private life. You know, if you've discovered that works for you, don't try and tell me about God because that's okay for you, but it's not, not really my thing. How often would we hear, be true to yourself, follow your heart, find yourself, find out what makes you happy and do that. And all of these things are ingrained on people's minds. I mean, if you think about it, how often do people living in our culture, living in our society uh, think to themselves if I just had a bit more money if I just lived in a bigger house if I just had a better car if my kids just behaved themselves if, 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 if and all of this stuff is ingrained in our mind and that's why the mind is such a battlefield because it's our life is based on what we've talked about the last three weeks of feelings and our fears and our thoughts uh, and actually they're not foundational for life they can't be foundational for life how do I feel or what do I do cannot be the foundation of our lives it has to be as Paul says here to the church to be transformed by the renewing of our mind uh, by the Spirit of God who uses the Word of God. You see, we live in, uh, we live in a, a tough... Uh, when, Paul, sorry, when Paul talks about world here, he's talking about the, the age that we're living in. Now, he's writing to the church in Rome. Now, Rome, if you know some of your history at this particular time, was probably the centre of Western civilization. There was all sorts of sin and debauchery and everything that was going on that was possible was going on in Rome. Yeah, Paul writes to the church there, because there is a church there, church trying to shine its light and to share the message of Jesus Christ with its many citizens. And so he writes to the church, and as he writes a letter of Romans, he, he, he spends 11 chapters telling them about the theology and the doctrine of God and the church and people and how we fit in with that. But the last four chapters of Romans is how that practically works out in our life. 
Because any theology you have has to have a practical outworking in your life. It don't point just believing the right thing. It has to come out and affect you in the way that you live your life. And so this is why Paul is writing to the church in Rome. It was the same when he wrote to the Corinthians in Corinth. He said the same thing. The, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Uh, so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ to his image of God. And so we face this difficulty that actually we spend so much time with our mind being filled with all sorts of rubbish and all sorts of drivel. We understand why it's a battlefield. We understand why there is a battle going on. And you see, where we live in 2021, there are many who think that the problem is this. They say, we just need to educate people more. We just need to increase their intellect in a sense. If we teach people more education and give them more knowledge, um, that will become the instrument of redemption because people will understand when you educate them, when you teach them things, they will be able to discern between what's right and what's wrong. Well, that's happened. We, we live in a more educated society now than ever. You know, we know more knowledge now than ever. Uh, so that idea of if we just educated people, then the world will become a better place. Uh, if we improve the mind and the capacity that knowledge has, uh, that would stop people doing wrong. But, but actually, no, that, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. So in the mind, we're using the mind to increase knowledge, but it's not improving people's moral lifestyle or their decision-making. There has to be something else. We're not better off because we are more educated or more knowledgeable. Uh, we're not better off because we've empowered people with knowledge. And that was a phrase that often people use, just empower them with knowledge and then they will make the right choice. You know, our kids grow up uh, and being told that you could be attracted to him and her or both. I experiment with everything. We have kids not yet teenagers, not yards of this church. Uh, drinking and, and having sex and taking drugs. I listened to a Labour MP on the radio last week uh, describe abortion as reproductive health. And I thought to myself, this is where the problem is. The problem is we're normalising everything. We're, we're opening the mind up and telling them that actually everything that's going on is normal. That actually reproductive health, uh, abortion as reproductive health, is a health issue the same as having a headache. And we wonder why, because this is where we get to the crunch to in the series that we're doing, that we have to ask the question why people are having so many battles in their mind and why people's mental health is so poor. Is it often the reason that sometimes we just open up the top of their head and pure rubbish and drivel and everything else, but the word of God goes in there? And that can be the same for us as believers as well. That actually we look at it and say, well, you know, we, we, do, 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 are, we supposed to, to, are we supposed to stand out? Are we supposed to fit in? What are we supposed to do? And that's often the, the issue. See, we made three things. I've put six of them. We made three things. <laughs> three things. It's just, well, I didn't do four things. So you know what I mean? I, <laughs> and it's just the three things I put on. That we've said to people, express yourself. Nobody has the right to tell me how I live so I can live any way I want I can define myself as anything I can define myself as a penguin if I want and there's nothing you can do about it you'd have to start calling me Pastor Penguin <laughs> I might not last too long as a pastor of this church but 
But we, we laugh at that, but that's the way people are at the moment. We're defining people. There's not male and female anymore. There really sort of gender, you know. And so we've said to people, well, express yourself. Or, or what we've said to people is, listen, you need the experience of life. Life's too short. Make the most of life. So it doesn't matter what there is. You experience everything. It doesn't matter if it's good for you. It doesn't matter if it's bad for you. Uh, it doesn't matter the consequences of it. You know, listen, you've got one life. Live that life. And so we've let people just experience everything but we're allowing people to do that and then not picking up on the consequences after which is the damage to the mind and the mental health that people might have because they've experienced everything because they have expressed themselves and the third one is this is experiment well, we, we can try everything. He says, nobody's going to tell me what to do. If I want to experiment with whatever, uh, then I'm going to experiment. If I'm going to try this or try that as an experiment to find my purpose in life, he says, nobody tell me I can't do that because I'm going to do it. That's the world that we're living in. And, and we can push those three things as far as we want. But the danger that we have at some point, there has to be consequences to them. There has to be somebody that comes along and picks up the pieces of all the stuff that's gone into people's minds for them to deal with. And this is not a guilt trip here this morning. This is us telling you, actually, this is what God does. This is what God can do in your life. John Piper said this. He said, the problem with our minds is not merely that we are finite and don't have all the information. The problem is, is our minds are fallen. The difficulty is this, God addressed that by sending Jesus. And the purpose of sending Jesus was not to make us more intelligent or intellectual because he knew that attaining more knowledge would not solve the problem. He sent Jesus as a saviour because he knew that we were fallen. And he knew there had to be something that changed our lives. And it's this, it's Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us, but then transforming our life, not just changing it. Why? Because all all our thinking is based on the knowledge that we have. So all our sin and disobedience begin in the mind. It's how you think is immensely important. What you think about is very important. So we look at and say, well, what is the alternative to this? The alternative to living, conforming to the world is what? But Paul gives it. He says the alternative to conforming is transformation, which results when Christ and his word renew our minds so that our vision, values, and plans are governed by God's revelation and eternal truth rather than the world's temporal and deceptive pattern. The world has always had a problem. It started with Adam. And he says, when he said, don't take the tree off there, Adam wanted to be God. And we still live in that world where we want to be the gods of our lives. That's the reality of it. It's still the same problem. It comes out through what we call sin, which is just the rebellion and the transgressions against God. But here, it tells us that actually what God wants to do is he wants to transform us by the renewing of our mind, to restore it, to begin again, to stop one thing and to begin another thing. I love the biblical definition of renew. Because everything, every word that I mention is a picture of what God does in our life. Made new again, repaired, re-established, repeated, revived, renovated, regenerated. That's everything that God does in our life. You see, God is not interested in making us stop doing bad things and start doing good things. It's not behavior modification. If I could just stop this. I said this story years ago. I made a decision at 21 years of age three years ago and therefore 
but back in 1993, so those you you work out um, 35. So at that point, I remember before that I had made a decision. I'd gone to a meeting in Nottingham in England about two years before that. I'd heard somebody preach, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to. I just I'm going to give this Christian thing a try. And at that point, I did all the things that you shouldn't do. A 17-year-old boy does. We'll leave it at that because we don't want to. You know what I'm talking about. So therefore, I tried in my own effort and my own energy to try and change the way I was because I thought, now I'm a Christian, I need to stop doing the bad things and start doing the good things. And I realized one day I was playing the old Nintendo 64 Super Mario Kart and I was really good at it. I'd gone through about 50 levels. I was unemployed at 17. I thought this was my task in life. And I remember going through about 50 levels. I'd spent hours doing it and suddenly I got killed. And at the point I got killed, I let out the worst, most abusive, expletive language that you have ever heard. I could not repeat it to you but it was shocking and at that point I realized I can't be a Christian because I can't stop doing all these wrong things and so I left it and it was only then four years later when I got to the point where I became a Christian that I realized God is not interesting in behavior modification He's interested in life transformation. He's not interested in making me stop the bad thing. That will happen when you have a true relationship. That does happen. But what he's interested in more than ever is the life transformation of people. And that life transformation of people begins in the renewing of the mind by the imparting of the Holy Spirit into our lives uh, by using the Word of God. And you see here, it made me realize as I was studying for this, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, he cannot bless us unless he has us. When we try to keep within us an area that is our own, we try to keep an area of death. Therefore, in love, he claims all. There is no bargaining with him. Simply this, when you come to the cross, you can't leave some of it there. You can't leave part of it there. You've got to leave all of it there if you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind we leave everything at the cross and we give him everything as well you see in these two verses Paul gives us the logical response to the grace of God when he says that the, 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 uh, verse 1 the presentation of our bodies as a living sacrifice then he tells us to be separate by being no longer conformed to the world then he talks about the transformation that happens having our minds renewed and then the final part is a demonstration of that which is doing God's will and summing that up if you want to be renewed there can be no renewed by the transformation of your mind unless you surrender unless you give up now I know in this part of the world no surrender means something totally different I know that but listen says for spiritual purposes for spiritual some people at the back going like that like you just uh, no surrender it, it doesn't work in the spiritual it has to be surrender if you want your mind to be renewed and what a lot of people struggle with what a lot of believers struggle with particularly with the battlefield in their mind is they haven't surrendered everything Surrendering 90% is no good. Surrendering 95%, there's still an area that you're keeping for yourself. The call to renewal is a call to surrender first, to give up everything so your mind can be transformed and renewed. You see, it's a response to God's grace. 
You know, I, I, I listened as I listened to somebody preach about Romans 12, verse 1, 2. He made this great point. He says, the great need of the world today is not to have a church that blends in. It's to have a church that stands out. He says, it's easy to blend in. I said, we, we, we're not here to be popular. We're not here in a sense to, oh, well, well, I'd love it if everybody came to our church and we'll preach nice messages that uh, uh, tickle the ears. Uh, it says in Timothy, it says, make sure we preach messages that everybody loves to hear. It says, you can't always do that. We have to preach messages that challenge people, that get people to the point whereby, listen, we want to see people's lives transformed by the renewing of their minds, by what the Holy Spirit does in them. Sometimes you have to say awkward and challenging things to people because that that's what God expects us to do. If we just preach a message everybody wants to hear, I guarantee you this, we will have a church that is packed. We will have a church that is full because everybody will want to come here and hear a nice message on Sunday where there is no challenge. He says there has to be a challenge to the message because we're saying to people, what is it that you're putting into your mind? If you want God to transform your mind, what are the battles that you're fighting at the moment? What is the stuff that you're fighting that's affecting your mind? What is it that's going on in there that you're actually saying to me, says, listen, I'm, I'm struggling and I can't get through this and I can't deal with this. But then we're asking the question to people, what is it that you're putting in there? What is it that you're focusing on? What is it that your mind is filled up in? You see, transformation is not switching from this to-do list of the flesh and the works of the law. It's a transformation, as it says, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who renews our mind. It is first and decisively his work. He equips us with both the tools and strength we need as we put them to good use in our lives as he continues to renew and empower us. He says, he got me to thinking here because this is so important and where we were, the God is still in the business of transforming lives. He's still in the business of changing people's situations. He's still in the business of healing people in the physical and the emotional and the mental. He's still in the business of drawing close to the brokenhearted. He's still in the business of doing all of these things because his plan has never changed from the moment that Jesus rose from the dead which was the reason for everybody to have their life transformed by the power of God. Uh, and, and that's where we're at. And so when we talk about the battlefield that goes on in the mind, Jesus has won the victory. He's won the battle. So therefore, there is stuff that we can do, in a sense, to claim that victory and work through that victory. We don't have to live defeated. We can live and be encouraged in our faith. And you see, what we struggle with most of the time is what I said in the first week is we think we have to get to a certain point before God does something for us. No, we don't. We just come as we are this morning. We just come as we are. He doesn't love us as we should be or we're going to be, or what we will be in the future. He loves you exactly where you are. All those struggles inside of you, all that battle going on within you, all that stuff you think, that's okay, Matt, but I'm, I'm doubting and I've got these questions and I need these reassurance. And I'm like, that's okay. He's a big God. You can bring them to him. And, you know, we come to that. And that's where we come to it. You see, when we begin to do that, we're not asking God just to change our lives. 
We're asking God to transform our lives. He's not interested in modifying our behavior. He's interested in transforming our lives. So the thoughts that we used to think that we thought were right and he shows us that are wrong, he replaces that thinking with his word. He replaces everything that he takes out with something else. Why he says in Hebrews, he takes away the first to establish the second. He talks about the law and he talks about Jesus Christ. He takes away the law to establish what Jesus has done because we don't need to live under the law anymore and the rules anymore. What we need to live under is the transforming power of God that renews our mind by the power of the Spirit in our lives and the word that he teaches us to help us day in day out that's how we get our minds renewed be wonderful you know when you when you come to a point whereby it just you know and, 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 and this is for somebody in here and I've got this just and I don't often do this but I'm going to do it because I don't often do it so when it does come to me I know it's right he says there are people in here who won't forgive themselves even though God has forgiven you there are people in here who are holding on to the sins of the past, even though God has said, my son took them on the cross with him. And there are people in here who just simply have to come to the point where they have to just surrender. They have to come and say, God, I know I've kept on hold of some of it, but God, I need to give you all of it. And those are people that are sitting in church, this church, this service this morning. He says, I believe that's a word for somebody, that God wants to give you freedom today, that God wants to set you free of this service, that actually what God wants to do is say, you know, all you need to do is surrender. You haven't got to have it all worked out. You've just got to surrender. When you surrender, he says, he says, I will do everything that needs to be done. He says, even though you're bitter about what's happened in the past, even though you're hurt about what's happened in the past, God has the power to change the way how you feel about the past and how you see the past as well. He can't erase the memory of the past, but he can change the way you see it and the way that you feel it feel about it and that is a word for somebody in here today he is in the business of transforming people's lives let's just pray for just as we father we come before you we believe god you've given us a word for people in here uh, god and and though god people are often trapped by their memories and the stuff that has gone on in their mind that, that reminds them of things that have happened, things that they feel guilty about, things that they feel a prisoner of this morning. God, we just come before you and we speak your word that you came to set the captives free, that God, you came to transform people's lives and you began that in the renewing of people's minds by imparting the Holy Spirit in each and every person in this place. So God, we come before you today. And God, for those people that are here, that that resonates with today. God, it's not about the words of the preacher, it's about the power of you. God, that it's not about, Father, just the, the clever words or the principles that we can come up with here. God, this is about you working in people's lives and transforming their lives. And God, we pray that of each and every person in this church today. God, do your work today, Father, over this church. Do your work today, Father, by the power of your Spirit, the truth of your Word. That God, would you transform people's lives by renewing their mind. Father, would you change the way people feel about something that happened in the past. Father, would you change the way that they view a memory 
that God, you can do all of that because you're bigger than our fears, bigger than our memories, bigger than our guilt, bigger than our shame. It's why you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross. Thank you, Lord.